Well, that was unexpected. This is Corey, and this is the other other podcast. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Welcome to episode three fifty eight of the other anthem podcast, coming to you from all over LA. But Corey is there at the hashtag OTALA Studios. Hi, by the one day freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for listening on your podcatcher of choice. The easiest way: Anchor.fm forward slash O the Anthem. Yeah, see, uh, what happened there was uh, I went to mute out my mic and instead hit transition, which <laughs> stops the music and uh, loops it back to the beginning. So, <laughs> hey, everybody, how are we doing? So, uh, Corey, I want to start off this episode uh, with a message to some of our very special listeners. And to those listeners, I have learned this week that there are hate listeners. And I, I don't... Listen, we spent years, years on this podcast saying, download, don't listen. Mm. So I don't know that hate listeners are that much different. In fact, maybe you're better because you're actually listening. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things. Uh, yeah. Again, we've been doing this for six years now, seven, going on seven years, however long. It's been a lot, 358 consecutive weeks, whatever that breaks down to. Um, over the course of that time, uh, I have been threatened Personally, i.e., I had someone show up with a gun to my home uh, about shit that I said here. I had people call the bar, uh, which I don't know if you know this, Corey. Uh, the bar is how you practice law. Oh, I'm aware. And I've been to the bar convention. I know. <laughs> if the bar tells you you can no longer practice law, then I have a very expensive degree, which I'm not paying for, which I also cannot use to make money. So this is problematic. Uh, and when the bar called me, uh, I said in very, very flourished lawyer terms, fuck you, First Amendment. Um, and they were basically like, yeah, I mean, fuck us, First Amendment. We get it. And then my boss, who is, was in his upper 50s at the time, was basically sat down and I had a very serious talk with him. And um, he said, uh, well, luckily he was... He, Luckily, in this case, he was a Trumper. And he was basically just like, no, fuck the haters. Uh, you know, do what you got to do. Um, he wasn't a Trumper then. He became a Trumper year in the next year or two. But um, so if you hate listening to the podcast, welcome. And I hope that I say something inflammatory enough for you to run off and go tattle about it. Um, I mean, let's see. Over the course of the last seven years, I've talked about open revolt against the United States government, mm -hmm. building a guillotine on the National Mall in order yeah. to carry out said uh, revolt. Uh, running people over with a car, that was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so some of the things that people are worried about are not even in the top five of the worst and most controversial things that I've ever said. I mean, a whole catalog, folks. It's available at odeanthem.com. Go check I out mean, those episodes. Two of those things were involved in the impeachment trial that just ended with non-guilty. So I think we're... That's, yeah. Yep. To me. Um but I just want to push people, Corey, to the old episodes because you've done such a wonderful job putting up Collating the entire them. catalog of episodes. <laughs> there are 357 episodes available at odianthem.com. They are done out by episode number. You can find the show notes. You can find the link. You can watch the video. It's all there. Go and enjoy it. Have, and by the way, if you want to send me like time stamps with clips, uh, I've been trying to get around to do that soundboard where I just like pull the interesting, funny things from years past. I don't have the time to do it. So if you're going to do it, just send me those as well. And if you're going to do it, just listen to Rob's. <laughs> I'm sure I did nothing. <laughs> Let Corey know if you're going to listen to him so he can go back and delete his Twitter. Um, but 
Uh, you actually had you know, some so, good news. It's so this funny. Week. <laughs> Real quick, I'm sorry. I, I was yeah. just thinking about it because uh, I was I was watching the the Cecil Hotel, the crime scene uh, yeah, investigation thing on uh, Netflix. And uh, eight out of ten recommend. <laughs> Cecil Hotel is like right down the road from where the studios here are. So, um, you know, obviously I was watching it from like a local interest point of view. And, uh, you know, they kept bringing up her uh, her old Tumblr, Elisa's old Tumblr. Mm -hmm. And, you Did know, you she, would, she would write like little like, you know, like semi somewhat depressing things. And people would be like, she had real problems. And I was just like, <laughs> I think that's what all social media was for a little point in time. Like I sometimes I'll get like a, a thing on Time Hop where it's like 12 years ago. Like you said, like, oh, today's the worst day. I hope I die. And I'm just like, that was just all of what Facebook was for the first <laughs> little. Like, well, it's, it's not not so much Facebook. Facebook was like uh, planning stuff in the open yeah. with people and then basically being like, sorry, you're not invited. This was a public conversation between Corey and I about things we we're going to go do. You can't come. There, uh, uh, yeah, Twitter, Twitter, was, Twitter though, was, was much more negative. like that. Yeah, because like it, I, it was back in the day where people were like, what, you have a Twitter account so you can tell everybody when you're going to poop? And I'm like, no, that's not what the Twitter account is for. <laughs> it's for telling people when I want to kill myself. So, God, of course. Uh, and then to backtrack it three day, uh, three hours later with the, yes, we're very much in love. Yes, things are going to go forward. No, you haters don't win. <laughs> yes, Corey drove me back and forth to two towns for three consecutive hours. Oh, God. It was worth that it. Was, <laughs> <laughs> what was so funny was the uh, the conversations. I, I'm sure over the the length of this podcast, when somebody goes back and tries to hate, listen to all of Rob's comments. Please, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm sure I've said things that have contradicted each other before, but nothing has contradicted each other like Rob to and from car rides. <laughs> From his Fuck ex. that bitch. <laughs> I don't need this shit. Let's go get wasted. Oh shit, something's really bad. Come 20 on. 20 minutes later, it's like, I love her so much. I can't see, I can't picture a world without her. Uh, oh. Yes, ladies. Yes. There was a time in which I was a diehard <laughs> romantic and said things like that. Now, fuck them. <laughs> anyway. But you're good uh, news, Corey. <laughs> yeah, good news. I have, I have some good news coming out this week. So, uh, first of all, a movie I worked on uh, way pre pandemic uh is uh finally out it's on bet plus as well as like amazon and stuff like that you can rent it or buy it there uh but what what's so great about this one and part of the reason why i wanted to share it with a lot of people is because a lot of projects that i work on you know they go to film festivals or you know you can buy them on amazon and stuff like that but it's not always as easy as being able to get like a seven day free trial to a service and be able to see it for free so uh, I would definitely recommend anybody who wants to see Nevering Again, a nice little uh, romantic uh, comedy, to go to BET Plus and check it out because uh, your boy did the sound for it. So, yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty. Two things good. I never thought we would talk about on the podcast: <laughs> um, me, people trying to get me fired from a job yet again because <laughs> you know, and Corey has a new movie on BET Plus. <laughs> go check it out. To, to be fair, not my. I didn't write it. I didn't direct it or anything. I did the sound on it. I, I, I I'm very proud of the work I did on it. But uh, it, it's a nice. It's a very nice flick. And I, I we had a, a viewing party over here at the, at the uh, headquarters, and uh, it was it was well received. Yeah. So uh, there's that. Good. That's good. the good. The first piece of good news. The second piece of good news is that the uh, draft on the gun trace task force is done. So. 
All the time that we the end of the show. All right. All the time that we've spent talking about this, I I figured I would let people know. I I have the first draft done. Uh, I'm going to go through and make sure that uh, I have a. I don't know if you have this habit in writing too, uh, where. You'll I be, don't. You'll I don't. Be, I, whatever it is, I don't. You'll be going along. You'll be chugging along, and then you like misspell thoroughly or something like that. And you know, you really botched it. Like you just you the the clicks didn't quite work out with the keyboard, uh, mm-hmm. and then you just see that you did it, but you're just like, "Fuck it, I'll fix it later," and <laughs> and then you never get back to it. So I would like to, prior to sending it to people to read, just go through it and make sure that I didn't horribly misspell things or forget words or i know one thing that i did was uh i i need to change how i address certain characters and certain parts of the story mm-hmm. but like you know little things i just have to to uh, uh button it up a little bit and it's all set ready to read so uh, so yep. i have i have three notes uh on <laughs> before that. it one, even starts <laughs> one uh, a plug that um we're not going to get paid for uh but highland has absolutely changed screenwriting for me when it comes to uh writing now i know it's difficult because it's a apple only program so Mm. you'd have to put an emulator on or or write on somebody else's computer but highland has autocorrect in it which celtics does not have and that's a pain uh and it's basically microsoft word but it formats it and it auto formats it auto formats (laughs) so like if i type in all caps a character's name that it recognizes as a character's name i just hit enter i start typing more i hit enter again if what I wrote was in parentheses, it makes it a parenthetical. If yeah. it wasn't, it makes it dialogue. And then if I double tap enter, it's just an indicator to that that, oh, I'm going to an action line. But if you use certain words, it knows it's an action line. And it's like, oh, no, this is not dialogue. We're going to move this back over into action. I'm like, oh, <laughs> such a time saver. You such know, a it, time saver. it's funny. The, uh, the one that, because you brought up word, one of the things I was doing today in preparation for going through and checking spelling and grammar and all the other things I have to do uh, was I turned it into a text file and then I put it into word so that word could read it to me, uh, which I think is a great writer tool for people who are thinking about like, I know your script is, you know, on final draft or whatever, just get the plain text, put it in a word document and have word read it to you because you'll never buy a very expensive dinner for all your friends and have them (laughs) read it out loud. You'll never recognize where you forgot to put a two in a sentence until you have word read it to you. And it's just like you, 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 the, the audible scratch of something being wrong just sort of like fixes your brain into like getting yeah. into the editing. So it's very nice, but uh, yeah, it's very happy week for me. So, uh, lots of good news out there. So. Also, uh, this is the end of what an eight, nine month project of writing this of writing it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, probably more than that. I have to I have to figure that out. But yes, it, this one this one was this one was a killer because uh, Rob would have a, a an appreciation for this. Like uh, it felt very much like I was writing a legal document, like I was writing a mm-hmm. proof or like a brief of some kind. Because I would get into it, I would know exactly what I wanted to say in this section of it, and I would start writing, and then all of a sudden I get stuck somewhere, and I'd just be like where did i hear this like what is what is the source for this information and then i have to go through looking through all the links i put aside and you know everything and i'm looking for where i heard that one piece of information so i can get it right in the script and i go off on a two-hour tangent of researching (laughs) trying to find this one thing uh and i know this from you know like my dad's experience of like he'll be writing he'll be writing his brief up and then all of a sudden he'll be like 
oh, when was that Supreme Court case? And I'll walk into the other room and I'll look at all the books and just start pulling ones off the shelf and trying to find. I know it's easier in the Internet age, but I mean, way, like, way easier. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, like you would just stop in the middle of what he was doing and just walk in, just like pull books and start looking for things. It's like, oh, God, this must take forever. And that's how this script felt like, because it's not like you're creating these characters out of whole cloth. So it's it's much more difficult to uh <laughs> Uh, right as you go along because you get stopped so often. I, I was going to say, as, as a note, I rewrote my first book in the last two weeks. So uh, <laughs> we could trade drafts and do editing. I well, rewrote I an entire 61,000 page I saw, book. So. I saw yours, so uh, I put it on my reading list. But, yep, that's it. That's the uh, that's the news of us up front. Uh, just the, the good news and the <laughs> the haters going to hate news, I guess. It's so good. I love it. I hope you guys are still listening because we got more to come because we're going to be talking about the impeachment. Um, and I want to lead off this conversation by just saying it doesn't fucking matter. None of this fucking matters. No. OK, uh, go ahead, Corey. Well, no, I mean, like we th- that was the exact point we made last week. This is all political theater. Um, yep. And, you know, it's political theater because a it didn't turn into a conviction of Trump, which uh, any reasonable outsider who if an alien was placed into the jury box to decide (laughs) it would have probably been a lot closer than 56 votes you know i think that you are taking the making a murderer route on this i mean perhaps i mean let, let me let me put it this way i i know that there's a steep uh hill to climb when you're talking about incitement and who's responsible and all the ins and outs of it uh i would argue i would counter argue that if there were uh witnesses if there was an ability to put uh more time you know really more than anything this this impeachment was rushed because they were trying to start it before trump left office so that they could avoid the well you can't teach a a former president question and perhaps if they waited another month or so or two months to be able to better put their ducks in a row there would have been more like cause just during the trial, we found out that Kevin McCarthy talked to Trump during the entire raid and was just like, call off your people like, yeah, like, you know, Trump. Uh, there was allusions that Trump may or may not have known about Pence's safety at that point when he wasn't calling people off or trying to do anything like that. You know, I mean, like it, it's one of those it, this this whole week sort of felt like OJ for white people in a way like the case was very. <laughs> The case was very airtight, and he he won because the political pressure of the moment became bigger than the uh, what what actually happened. And you know, I would I, I would argue I would argue that uh, Trump, uh, much like OJ getting off because of police corruption, is like the biggest slap in the face to all the people who have ever tried to mount a police corruption case in their own yes. lives. Uh, and getting off the fact that that Trump gets to walk away from his supporters coming and attacking the Capitol is kind of like the most unbelievable. Like it, now the bar is so high that if you're ever going to impeach another president or impeach a president and try and get their conviction, you have to kind of clear this almost ridiculous bar. No, no, no. You start with 67 senators. If you have 67 well, yeah, senators, I mean, if you, then do, you just do whatever but, you want. True. I mean, that's why there's never been a successful presidential impeachment, because they've always fall along party lines. This is the most dynamic impeachment uh, trial ever. 
yeah. where seven people cross party lines to vote. It's ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous. Uh, and I will say you're right that it's like OJ. And that's because the defense, but in this case, roles are reversed. The uh, prosecution was unbelievable. And they used all sorts of emotion to kind of get you involved in the case, like Cochran did for OJ. Yeah. And then the defense, where would, which would be Marsha Clark in our example, was boring as fuck and just offered nothing but facts. And in the end, OJ was acquitted because people got wrapped up in the emotional argument, ignored the fact that, like, there was serious problems with the evidence. The evidence tended to show his guilt. Yeah. But Cochran made it about police corruption, not about the evidence against his guy. And the Trump guys, to their credit, made it about the law. Yeah. And they're right. That I mean, listen, all the emotion aside, uh, the staircase is another great example, which I watched finally because uh, I thought I'd seen it because there's like nine documentaries about one guy pushing <laughs> his wife down the stairs. Uh, but I, the nine part, nine hour long series finally concluded and I watched all of it. And in the end, the prosecutor there told a very emotional story and he convinced the jury that uh, the guy was guilty. The, the house managers weren't able to do that. They were only able to say, hey, um, we have this very emotional story and the facts, the law, he's not guilty. He, it, you cannot find incitement to start a riot. It's a high bar and they didn't hit it. They were hoping that the videos of people rushing the Capitol and everything would get it done and it didn't. Sorry. I mean, again, this is going towards a a impartial jury kind of argument, though. I, I think the the conversation of whether or not uh, it reached the legal definition of incitement is kind of a, a argument that you would be having under a hypothetical of how would a jury find this as opposed to how would people who we already know the political affiliations of vote, you know? But Much like I, if we I, had I have if we say, had sixty seven Republican senators right now and yeah. you know, we had a, a Republican House and they decided that they wanted to impeach Joe Biden because he ate a bologna sandwich on Tuesday. Which they will in twenty twenty two. They could and they could yeah. sh shove the whole thing through and we would know going into said trial that we would be in real danger of Biden getting removed for this <laughs> bologna sandwich. Uh just because they have the votes like it, it's yep. just not it's not it, any you can't have a reasonable legal argument that eventually boils down to, well, what was the <laughs> it's like nobody asked like, uh, you know, after Scott Peterson is done, like, well, what did the what was the breakdown of the jury? What did what, you know, like what were the political leanings of the jury prior to going in? You don't know. You start doing the trial. Yep. You look at the members of the jury. You say like, oh, shit, juror three is looking really bored by all this DNA evidence. I'm going to have to figure out another way to get to juror three. Like, But that's an advantage. They knew the jury. And I think with a better legal argument, they would have pulled more senators. I think that if you I, could get there on the law, that there's a lot of guys who said, I cannot ignore this. But you're trying to make an emotional plea, and I am going to take the out because I don't think that uh, he's guilty. I mean, I, I think <laughs> it's one of those uh, – uh, I feel like incitement should almost be more of a I know it when I see it kind of definition as opposed to the strict uh, way in which it has been written because it has been it has been used as a as a like, you know, like at the uh, trial of Chicago seven, just as an example, yeah. a well-known example used against where they were protesters where 
what was the what was the outcome of that? They were found guilty, but then eventually overturned. Two of them were found guilty. Yeah. The rest were let go. Right. But those two convictions okay. were eventually overturned too. Right. Yes. <laughs> like once because <laughs> once, they were in once fact, the law was examined a second time, the they were thrown out because the bar they wasn't, were in fact not guilty. Right. Yeah. Because the bar is fucking high. But making it a I'll know it when I'll see it. Uh, that's just sending me to jail because God knows I've said fucking insightful things. Um, and people could say, I, you know, oh, he's trying to incite a riot. So send him to jail. Yeah. It's a high bar for a reason. Yeah. Because it's it involves free speech. And again, house managers presented an amazing case, like emotionally moving case. We came out of their second day saying, I don't know how they're going to defend this. And then they came out and they didn't try to meet them on the emotional road. They said, this is what incitement is. Uh, then they took a little de- detour to say other people have said these same words, which I thought was bullshit and unnecessary, yeah. but I know why they did it. And then they said, you cannot directly tie words that he said to action because he didn't tell them to do the thing. And if you select clips of this show, you can make me sound like a Trumper because I Sometimes we'll say things that are Trump-like, but that doesn't make me one. And if you play the full video and you get the full idea of what was said, then you understand. And that's all they did. They showed, here's the high bar, here's everybody saying the same words, and then here's what he actually said in full quotes, and it doesn't reach the bar. Sorry. Yeah. I would say this, though, just in, in uh, to tr- Trump's defense team. Um while while they did a fine job in in getting to the point where they proved that it didn't reach the bar, yeah, uh, pretty much everything else about that was textbook. Don't hire these lawyers, please. Uh, yeah, especially yeah. you know, Caster's, the presentation, even of the good stuff. Caster's just like opening argument was a disaster. I, I've I, I I was audibly. I usually I don't watch. Uh, trial testimony and go like, oh my god, or like, oh, can you believe this shit? Or like, audibly say things out loud. But I was constantly hearing Caster say things like, "What? What are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, uh, like this old chestnut, for instance. Uh, if you uh liked the pros, you're the defense attorney, Rob. Uh, and you like the prosecutor, but you think that he's wrong on this case, right? That you're in the courtroom with him on. You would say things like, uh, I have great affection for Mr. Smith, and I, I, I think he's an incredible lawyer, but on this case, I disagree with him. And these are the reasons why. You know, because that makes the, the defense look like, or the prosecution look like, uh, they're good people who are just on the wrong side of this issue. Like, it's not disparaging the other side, right? Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the classy way of sort of acknowledging that the other side has a good argument, but you disagree with them. Uh, there was something like that that started in Caster's remarks where he was just like, God, they did a, they did a great job. And uh, we were going to do something completely different until we saw that we changed up everything that just makes yeah. you look again in the eyes of a hypothetical in impartial jury. You're looking at this like, Oh God, you just, you, you you're scrambling now. You're not, you're not trying, you're, you're not up there with any sense of confidence. Uh, See, and then there was there was a whole that. bunch of things that that just happened throughout where he 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 uh, uh, so for instance in in conversation about your points about reaching the high bar of uh, incitement they were talking about murder and manslaughter and how there's a there's a difference between those two yep 
but in him saying it, the the way that he had just simply worded the statement made it sound, <laughs> sound like an argument he was making in making in this court. Like, uh, so clearly it's obvious from day that he is not guilty of murder. Now manslaughter, perhaps, but <laughs> it's certainly not murder. Like it seemed very like. I don't know. I, I, I see, thought Caster's opening statement was that that could be a law school. Uh, that could be a whole week in law school of what not to do as a lawyer in front of, arguing for your client. I think you're right, except for they would probably show it in bar presentations about like this is how you speak to other lawyers, because 40, 50, 60 percent of those people have legal training. Yeah, uh, so probably 50 percent were practicing lawyers beforehand. And basically he was talking to lawyers and he was just like, we were going to do something else. I didn't realize we were going to make this a cry fest. Well, fuck it. We're going to try and do something different then, because that's where they're going to take this. They're not going to stay on the law. They're going to stay on emotion. And that's fine. We can go that direction. Now, his presentation style is boring as fuck. And yeah. like I kept I kept I said I watched it all, but I zoned out so many times and I was like, oh fuck, that's right. I'm watching the I would like cover the screen and then be like, oh right, yeah, I'm watching the the uh trial here. I better actually watch it. Cause him droning in the background would just go- become white noise. Yeah. Well but in the end, mm-hmm. what we can say is if the opposing party has sixty seven senators and a majority in the house, watch out. If you're the president, yeah. because they can impeach you. Yeah. And if they don't, uh, it turns out you could probably shoot a guy on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. Yeah. Now, much like that, though, that doesn't mean that New York's not going to bring some murder charges against you once you're not the president anymore. Yeah. And, and I mean, that that's a, a really uh, real concern for Trump at this point. Not the murder charges specifically, but, but other charges. Yet. Yeah. Yet. We don't know what happened with uh, what's his name. In the cell. What's this, the Epstein? billionaire? Yeah. Epstein. We don't no. know what happened with Epstein yet. <laughs> Murder charges made. And jury's still out. Well, I mean, he didn't kill himself. That yeah. much is clear. <laughs> QAnoners. Hey, everybody <laughs> listening to this, he's hate listening. That's what I just said. Um, but is so I mean, like, he's looking at charges in I mean, he has his previous tax stuff in New York. He's got um the emoluments based stuff out of Maryland and DC, DC has, has an incitement um, law. So they could even just charge him with incitement and then put it to a jury of people from DC, which George you know, is talking about uh, election interference. Yep. Uh, yep. And For I mean like and Lindsey Graham. So yeah. And New, New York on top of uh, just the tax stuff also has the uh, campaign finance violations and stuff like that. That's For which right. he and was individual stuff. one. Uh, in the Michael Cohen uh, guilty plea. So that one looks pretty pretty much like the case is already decided or like, you know, is the, the the argument there is already out there. If you want to just change individual one to Donald Trump in those incitement and in those uh, and just recharging documents. Refile. Yeah. Uh, and I know that you're going to be happy about this because you love the emotionality of the impeachment. But we're going to be able to do this for the next four years because a 9-11 style commission is coming. About the the insurrection, so Woo. get ready. I I if you, if you like the Warren Commission, just <laughs> wait till you get the Pelosi Commission. I am a, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm good. Um, I get why I get why they're doing it. I get why the Democrats are doing it. Uh, political theater. The that, political that, theater. That's not the answer. Yeah, then, you know. No, yeah, I mean that's the answer. Um, I I would hope that at the very least that if they're going to do this. They just hand it off 
like there were parts of the 9-11 commission that were just handled outside of Congress by people that were hired to do investigations and stuff like that, if I remember correctly. Yes. The, the, the high end parts of it happened after all the legwork had been done by others, which is kind of how I like people to how I like anything in Congress to happen. Um, I think there were nine members. And essentially what they did is they said, we're going to break down into teams. Uh, George, you're team one, and this is what you're in charge of. And here's your budget. And then he would just go hire people to do the actual footwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not what they're going to do, by the way. They're going to they're going to do. Well, they're, they're going to do they're going to do a Benghazi style thing where they just have 15 different commissions looking at all the different angles and yep. try and make it look bad for all the people who were all the Republicans who were siding with Trump in the uh <laughs> the election thing. I, I'm surprised that uh, Pelosi would open herself up to it so quickly right after the impeachment. And not. And not just fucking like sit and wait a little while because it's not like it's going anywhere. But uh, I mean, there, there's it's not a lot like of... they have anything else to do, Corey. There's <laughs> nothing else currently going on in the country that they have to worry about so they can focus on this. I mean, we're, you know, 15 days away from or less fucking less than two weeks away from people having to pay rent again so yep uh i think uh, a lot of people would like the fourteen hundred dollar stimulus check conversation to be had sooner than a 9-11 style commission on the capital riots don't get me wrong i i i i really uh, i was i was very upset about what happened at the capitol uh i i think that it was a a bad day for america and i think that to some some degree i would like some sort of accounting of what happened and like everything that went into it but i don't necessarily think congress immediately after it happened is the the venue in which i want that to take place you know i don't need nancy pelosi telling me back into the left for 40 minutes on a wednesday afternoon um how about let's deal with the problems that we have that we can't seem to get shit done about while you're on vacation, by the way. I mean, so. like in a post-COVID world closer to the midterm elections, maybe you could have it then. Like the, it seems like that would be a perfect time for your political theater. But yep. I'm not trying to to get into this right now. Like I, I'm we're just at the point now we're done with impeachment. We're done with all the the, the things that are, are hanging out from the Trump administration minus, you know, select charges that might be coming from states in the future. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> Claudia Conway is on American Idol, which I just saw just before we started. So <laughs> is she singing? That's going to keep going. Yeah, apparently she's a singer. Not oh. bad. Not bad. Not a bad singer either. But uh, her little video, of course, she got one of the videos and yeah. it had her mom and dad in it and the whole nine. <laughs> and I'm like watching this thing and I'm like, there's no way she doesn't get to go to the next <laughs> level. Like they're dumb if they don't do that. Like you got to push this kid to the next level. And of course they pushed her to the next yeah. level. So she'll be on American Idol for the next few weeks, too. So you got that. <laughs> So uh, I guess hypothetically she'll be coming to Hollywood at some point. So Rob's going. <laughs> She's sixteen. Boy. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. She's I forgot. Sixteen years old. I forgot. You I'm keep sorry. Your perversions <laughs> to yourself. All right. Don't put that bad juju on me. <laughs> I forgot. Anyway. Seriously though, in 557 days she can get a call. That's totally fine. <laughs> when she's legally able to do so. Um, <sighs> Speaking of the the Conways, though, should we get into the mm. end of the GOP here, though? Because I was going to say the uh, the one good thing that has come out of all this is that the grand old party, the big tent party, is no more, and it will never be anymore. And I know you disagree with me on that, but this is the death. We are hearing the death rattle of the the Republican Party right now. No, I I, I don't disagree. I I think I think we're we're we've been there for a while. It's been it's been the fiery descent from. <laughs> From anything that 
reasonable people who have consult considered themselves Republicans at any point in the the past, you know, that, three decades have been holding on to. I mean, like I we're we're flying in a plane and someone says Wayne Gilchrist got primaried and the left <laughs> engine just bursts into flame and you're like. <laughs> That could that could be a problem. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the next election, the Tea Party wins enough to have a caucus, which is fourteen yeah. or more seats. The other engine explodes, and then it starts to wobble. And they're like, "Who's running for president?" And it just noses over mm-hmm. and it's headed towards the earth. Yeah, we're just in the last little bit before we get the, <laughs> the big captain's game. door swings open and the pilot just <laughs> pops his head back and he's like, "It's okay. Nobody's ever flown like me before. This is the best." <laughs> The best pilot that you've ever seen. I'm just like, oh, no. Yeah, and then he immediately grabs the only parachute, opens the door, and jumps out. Before he does that, though, he kicks Mike Pence out just for us to enjoy. (laughs) Hey, guys, I promised you a show. Boom. Uh... Mike Pence flying down to Earth going like, everyone subscribe to my podcast. I will subscribe to Mike uh, to Mike's podcast a hundred percent. But you so know we are in the. By the, by the way, just a yeah. quick aside because uh, uh, fucking uh, shit. Uh, who was the Trump uh, campaign manager who just got uh, Corey Feldman? No, no, no. no. Um, uh, Corey Feldman, the one who was wearing like multiple jackets all the time. God, why can't I remember his name? Anyway, Rudy Giuliani was on his podcast. It was like his ability to like come back out into the ah. Oh, Steve Bannon. That's who I was that, that's Bannon. Name. Okay. Uh Steve Bannon has a podcast. So Rudy Giuliani was on it and then Steve Bannon had to make some sort of news why Rudy Giuliani was on it so that it could trend. And then I found out like I think Roger Stone has one. <laughs> it's like any any C-list political star just sort of gets into the podcast game and then tries to make something like really big happen their first episode. So I'd love to see the first episode of Pence's where he like comes out and he's just like, by the way, Fuck Donald Trump, Trump knew, <laughs> Trump knew. <laughs> I was at the Secret Service. I said, does Trump know? And it's like, yeah, he's laughing his ass off back at the White House. I'm like, that asshole. Like, that would be great. <laughs> It'd be like that. Uh, listen to an Axios podcast, but from the right. <laughs> uh, in other news, this is the last episode. If fucking Mike Pence <laughs> and all of these C-listers start getting a podcast, I'm done. I can't. I can't do it. Can't do it anymore. <laughs> But uh, back we, to the topic. We all knew the, they'd glom on. <laughs> the end of the GOP. Uh, so basically, uh, the reason Claudia Conway is a good transition here is because uh, the Lincoln Project, of which her father was a part, and I think you aptly put, nobody gave a shit about, except for unless you were tied into political Twitter. They, they yeah. made a big impact with political Twitter, but other people heard about them. Uh, members of that group are apparently now raising money for question mark because the likelihood is they're not going to donate to Marjorie Taylor Greene's reelection fund. Why do you, are you gaining money? And uh, the talk today is uh, today, especially, I guess, is that um, basically all these guys are looking at formulating either an ouster campaign to push out those edges of the party into their own party or to basically cut the baby in the middle and start their own party. Um, and Anthony Scaramucci, and I know, yeah, uh, but <laughs> he was pretty pretty on top of it uh, when he was talking about it. And he was like, listen, they know the cost. You're going to lose elections for a decade. You're going to lose elections, and the Republicans are going to lose elections for a decade. But the goal is sometimes you have to chop off the arm to save the body. And 
the Republican Party or whatever it becomes will come back because conservatives will always be there. Center, center right conservatives will always be there. They've lost their minds, some of them right now, and some of those people weren't Republicans to begin with. They were Trumpers, personality cult. But eventually, after 10 years, we'll have a new party. It'll, it'll be the Republican Party without Trump or it'll be the new party that's center right. And I don't hate it. Because here's the thing, you might not lose elections for the next 10 years. The Democrats are also eating their own at this point, especially four years from now when Biden has done nothing to help the left and somebody goes forward as a left, a Bernie candidate who God hopes Bernie doesn't run because he's going to be 80. He'll be older years than that, old. right? Yeah, he'll be in his 90s, I guess, yeah. in four years, right? He's like 87 now. So let's hope he doesn't run, but somebody will like, like him will run. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez someone of that vein. And if we start seeing the same shenanigans that we saw this this time around and the previous time around, it'll be an apt opportunity for them to be like, fuck it, I'm going left. And if you are think how I do, come with me. And then we'll have four kind of medial parties. And the likelihood is that the majority leader will be chosen by which of those two parties can get the most seats together and then agree on a person to sit at the head of that party. Or the head of that government, essentially. I mean, I think there's no reason if the if the Republican Party is going to die in the wool for Trump. There are too many people who are currently either re- Republicans or consider themselves Republicans or are conservative and consider themselves uh, more aligned with the Republican Party. However, you want to phrase it, I knows. Yes, people on the right, uh, right of center, are going to. Uh, going to there's going to be some degree of people who disavow themselves of the party uh we've already sort of seen that in campaign registration thousand arizona republicans have turned in their cards and said we are not republicans anymore after they um well censured and and to be and to be fair there's there's anytime a party loses a presidential election this usually happens right away after the uh election because Either people join the party because they want to vote for somebody or like they feel mm-hmm. like they need, you know, there, there's a lot of moving around in political parties. That 10,000 is a lot more than usual. So that's yes. a worthy thing of noting. Uh, but it's and, not and, it's not okay, an sorry, end all just, be all number is what I'm saying. Like the, what, the other thing that they're pointing to is that you have Mark Kelly on the other side, who is a goddamn American astronaut and isn't too extreme. He's like a center Democrat. So basically the Arizona is the perfect storm of you have this centrist who's an American hero. He's been to space and, oh, what, he's, he's not so objectionable to me, a former Republican. So the, the thing is you're going to start seeing this more and more. There are going to be people in North Carolina uh, who just censured their uh, representative. There are going to be people in Georgia, people all over the place that are going to say, who's my alternative? Uh, now, Georgia's harder. Raphael Warnock um, – and John Ossoff are not centrist. So you really have to just say, I'm not a Republican because I'm not a Republican, not that I'm going to go be a Democrat now. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, to to a certain percentage, and this is how you basically... So let's say 15% of the Republican vote right now separates mm-hmm. from their party and sort of says, I'm going to vote where vote my conscience. And yeah. if it's a North Carolina race where you have a regular Democrat versus... Lara Trump versus Bill Burr, which, you know, that's not Bill Burr is going to retire. But either way, I'm just yeah. saying, like, but you know, con- traditional Republican, like him. Trumper yeah. and traditional Democrat. Uh, 
the two Republican sides of that that coin are going to eat their young. And yes. you're going to give yourself an advantage for a Democrat to win in heavy Republican areas if you do this. Uh, Look, now, it, 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 there, there's also the argument that if, you know, ev- all the Republican, all the Senate Republicans were to come out and have a press conference tomorrow and say, like, hey, listen, we realize Trump is a bad idea and we're not going to be a party of Trump anymore. We're going to path a new f- or uh, forge a new path forward. And it's all going to be about being, you know, uh, reasonable conservatives and everything that we used to do. Then. You know, 15% of the party, at the very least, is going to drop off because of that, because they aren't yeah. the Trump party anymore. So one way or the other, you're losing out on a significant amount of your party. And, I mean, I think the Democrats are in, in, in line to do this, too, just probably a decade after the Republicans get their house in order. That's the pro. you know, like... Maybe. Part of why, uh, part of why the Republicans that. are in such a great position statehouse-wise right now is because they were getting their ass kicked for a long time. They took a decade basically to get their house in order and somewhere around the 80s they started building up these huge pockets of republicans all throughout state houses all all across america and even in states where it's heavily democratic you have huge amounts of conservative people really hard-line conservative people who are at the tops of these parties and well it it took them 20 years to get that together and it's going to take them four years for it all to fall apart well yeah and i mean like this is going to happen on the local level yeah and i mean you know places like uh Pennsylvania, the Republican Party has just been eating its own and uh, have it, it really they took a they took their majority and now they're they're squandering it almost <laughs> like uh, coming up into the next time that people vote. So we'll see. And people have short memories, too. That's the other thing I'm, I'm really <sighs> worried about is yeah. that just by 2022, people will not remember anything about <laughs> anything that happened. People will be I mean, like, I, I, oh, Marco Rubio was independent of Trump. No, he wasn't. Like, don't, don't play this game. Like, I will say to you, though, e- even in the strongest Republican districts, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, didn't win her election 90-10. Right. So she split it 70-30, I think, with her opponent. Yeah. So if, if you shave 20 points off of that and assume that you're also going to lose some to the Democrat, because that's the trend as it is now, that becomes a up-for-grabs district. 20 points puts you at 55-45, and new voters, younger voters are coming out all the time, and you're going to lose some centrists to the Democrats no matter what. So, I mean, you're looking at competitive districts everywhere. I think the Doug Jones-Roy Moore uh, election is a good way of looking at how it could equalize the amount of votes that go to a Democrat just by splitting the ticket. Because Roy Moore probably lost, like, 15 20 percent of the republican voters who were willing to vote in alabama in that election just because there was so much controversy around them people just couldn't even feel good about pulling the lever but there was a certain number of people who were who were going to do it regardless of what what roy moore did uh who's got the r who's got the r okay and the republican uh, you know the democrats won that one because doug jones was able to put on a, a good campaign and compete and not be too far left. He was a very, very moderate candidate, yeah. uh, which is what a, a Democrat in Alabama would need to be. But, you know, it, it, if every single state, not every state is Alabama. You know, if you're if you're talking about a state that is not close, but is, you know, within the five to seven point range, you're talking about states like Missouri, you're talking about Iowa, you're talking about, you know, a lot of the Midwest is suddenly up for grabs in a way that, uh, as a Democrat going in, you wouldn't imagine you would really have any reasonable chance at unless you had just a incredible campaign, you know? So if you're a Democrat, you are 
very excited about this happening to the GOP. If you're a realist, or maybe even if you're just a leftist, further left than the Democrats, I think that this is the time. Because in the end, we are going to be in political flux for the next two to three election cycles, so the next six to eight years, let's say. And it could be a time where once the GOP starts to break down and Biden is clearly not going to do the things that he promised he was going to do um, for people on the far left, that you just say, fuck it, I'm not a Democrat anymore. I don't, by the way, Greens are not an option. The fucking Libertarians are not really an option. Um, It will have to be a new thing that is literally just saying we are splitting off from the existing party. This is us now. And people will join it because the greens, there's too much baggage with the existing third parties. You need a new third party. Well, not only that, but I mean like uh, just generally speaking, I think there's a lot of people who there's two types of people who are interested in politics, people who like talking about it and like observing it and uh, discussing it and people who like doing things like, you know, if I really cared, if homelessness was my number one issue, you know, the people who do something about it are on the streets, like helping homeless people, trying to raise money, trying to, you know, put socks on people's feet and stuff like that. You know, like doing the real yeah. work as opposed to somebody who just likes to talk about it and complain on one side is, you know, like what we're dealing with a lot in political discussion right now. Like. We need more people who are doers than speakers. And right now in the Republican Party, there are not a lot of doers or spe- there's this, uh, it's overloaded with speakers and nobody doers. You know, yep. the Republic, yep. the Democrats are overloaded with speakers, but at least there's more doers amongst a group than than speakers. And uh, Stacey Abrams is a perfect example of that. Nothing up for herself. She just literally was pushing the party and doing the work on the ground. Right. And and, you know, the political populace, the people who vote for the elected officials, they're going to have to decide whether or not the issues that they care about are enough for them to start doing things about it or if they just want to keep talking about it, because that's how the real work at the end of the day is going to get done. You know? Yeah. Yep. So. And uh, I mean, speaking of doers, uh, a politician who is maybe in the news because of what he did, uh, just to wrap up our political section, Andrew Cuomo, uh, COVID dad. Is that what we were talking about earlier this year? COVID dad or yeah. earlier last year? COVID daddy. COVID daddy. Uh, in that competition oh, with Gavin daddy. Newsom. That was the quarantine daddy. <laughs> in competition with Gavin Newsom and, and Hogan for who is the best quarantine daddy. And it turns to, comes to find out Andrew Cuomo is just like, you know, your and I don't mean your Corey's, I mean your understood you's real father. He lied to you, he only told you the things you wanted to hear, and then he got called to account and is basically saying, Fuck you, I didn't do that, even though he absolutely did what he's being accused of doing. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think <laughs> we've been having conversations throughout this whole thing about who's been doing it well and who hasn't been doing it well. Uh, and we've we've talked about Cuomo being one of the ones who've done it who I think has done it well up until this point, uh, given the, the, the obvious problems that literally everyone has to face at some way or another. Like, you know, you, you have very little, as a governor, you have very little control of how many people get COVID. <laughs> like, if, yeah, uh, just look at California. If people don't give a fuck anymore, then there's nothing you can say. There's no decree you can make. People just don't give a fuck anymore. And that's the way it's going to be. And you know, the worst part is, you know, the, the people who say, you know, this is all going to be analytic, analytical based. We got numbers and scientists who are in charge of making these decisions. And then the politics always gets involved in trying to, 
you know, make it look more favorable or look, make it look more ready. I mean, we've basically known that this is uh, the the numbers of nursing home deaths looked fishy from the beginning. Uh, there was no, you know, 100 percent solid evidence that things were happening. But now more people are talking about it. So it's more out there than it was. It was more rumor and theoretical before. Now there's more uh, legitimacy to it. But this is no different than any governor who's handled this. And, you know, that's not to say that I approve of any governor who's handled COVID correctly. But, like, you know, they, they all have faults and they're all lying about their numbers at some point or another. Uh, and, and not just governors. I mean, it came out this week from the WHO that China lied about their numbers and Russia lied about their numbers and a bunch of countries in Europe lied about their numbers. And nobody wanted it to seem as bad as it was. Yeah. And especially in your own district. And things like what about China? What about Russia? Were Trump's way in his own juvenile brain of saying, well, you know, uh, it's not just us. It's somebody else, too, because we were clearly clearly leading the world when it came to per capita cases. Yeah. So um, not that that vindicates him and not that that vindicates Cuomo at all for what they did. I feel like there will be a 9-11 style commission about COVID and how did this happen? And hopefully we get that done sometime before the next pandemic hits, which is on <laughs> schedule for 2022. So <laughs> yay. Aren't we excited? But yeah, I do. I would feel remiss if we didn't do a little bit of a COVID update. Uh, here's your update for the week. 500,000 dead. Uh, I in the screamed, United States. In the U.S., yes. Yeah. Uh, I screamed last week about 450,000 dead, but you guys are overachievers, and you ignored what I said. Instead, you called my job. And uh, instead of staying inside, you just kept going out, and now 50,000 dead in a week and a half. So congrats. Aren't we excited? 50,000 of that 450,000 are in California. So, Corey... You can stand proudly knowing that although we don't make up 10% of the population, we do have 10% of the COVID deaths. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I know. Congratulations, everybody. Listen, I know all too well because uh, the city of Los Angeles has put up little sandwich boards all around the neighborhood saying you were in a COVID-19 hotspot. Yes. And then across the street, the exact same sandwich board, only this time in Spanish, saying the exact <laughs> same thing. Which yeah. I think is a great use of public funds to <laughs> alert everyone to the fact that there's a pandemic going on. Uh, and also people don't care because, again, we don't respect the mayor. We don't respect the governor anymore about this. So fuck it. Who cares? Uh, we can all just die. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I feel like uh, there was a, uh, a governor. I, I think uh, was it Brian Kemp early on who who uh, two months into the pandemic learned that asymptomatic people could be carriers or something like that like so learned like, yeah. yes yes well, yeah, made he, the statement he that was, he learned he, he he made the statement that he learned uh i just feel like when we're done with this whole thing like two years from now people are gonna be like hey did you know that asymptomatic people had covid that whole time i'm just like yes that's the whole that's the whole problem like what do you like, i'm gonna yeah. have i can already foresee the moment five years from now when they have the covid report and they've released all like how the inner workings of state, local, federal government had to had to play in the the how everything went down. And we're going to find information like that. And I'm just going to lose my mind all over again. I'm going to be like, you, you, you motherfuckers. No, none of you listened. None of you. listened. Yeah, not not anybody yeah. listened. Uh, and I mean, it, it comes down to 
literally people aren't doing I, I've stopped seeing face masks everywhere. That's that's where we are at this point. Coming home from from lunch today, picking up lunch, uh, I ran into or I experienced four people on the way from the parking garage to the or to the to my apartment. None of them wearing masks. Yep. And uh, I'm not going to be one of those people who like honks at people not wearing masks on the side of the street or stuff like that. Like I want to be, I want to be so bad. I want to be that person. But like at the same time, like we, we have to, uh, everyone's logic, like anything that you're coming up with your own as like a reason why you're not wearing a mask should be vetted by a couple people before you decide to do it on your own. Like the people who are just like, like again, like if you're in the middle of nowhere and you're not wearing your mask, like obviously we all reasonable people will agree that's that's perfectly fine if you're in the middle of a field and there's not anyone mm-hmm. around you for a thousand yards like yes by all, by all means you don't have to wear a mask if you're uh, if you if are you're if one, you're at a national with, park but you're in line for something with people <laughs> around you national park in line does not discount each other you need to wear yeah. a face mask it doesn't matter yeah i mean like the one person in the middle of a group of 50 people on a street corner somewhere and i'm just like what are you doing (laughs) where's the logic where is so going back to the impeachment part (laughs) high bar there is a high bar for incitement yeah now there is also i don't know if you know this Corey. you can assault a person you can batter a person up to the point of killing them with the excuse that you are coming in case that i'm scared of my life well, I mean, scared of your life, yes, but more Or is that just a cop defense? I'm sorry. I, don't... I mean, it is a cop <laughs> defense, but uh, theoretically you could use it as well. But uh, if, if you yourself are not personally threatened, you can ha- say, I was coming to the defense of a third party. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to identify the third party, i.e., if I see somebody out on the street firing a gun randomly yeah. and I shoot them right. and kill them, I could go to the cop, I would be in court saying, listen, I didn't see anyone specifically that he was going to kill. However, he was firing a gun randomly towards a crowd. There was only one thing that could be done. I said, hey, stop it. He kept firing, so I shot him. Yeah. Because I was defending these third parties that are maybe unknown. Right. At what point can I just start walking around L.A. with a baseball bat? And when I see somebody without a mask, I just hit him in the fucking head. And then be like, wear your fucking mask. And then I throw a mask on them. And if they don't put it on it immediately, I just start beating them repeatedly until they put the mask on. And then be able to say, hey, I don't know who he might have infected. <laughs> but I was coming to the defense of all of those third parties out there who may have come to the treachery of this man and his ignorance. I, um, I, think, uh, I think we had a lot of conversation about high bars and fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I think way, uh, that, I think I think this would be I think this would be the opposite end of that discussion because the the yes. legal argument you would bring up in court in defense of this I think would be a very high bar. That's uh that would be my point. But but if you get the right judge and I'm like judge, he wasn't wearing his mask. Not guilty. We're let's go home. What are we? What are you even here for? Judge Judge Sunshine Q Rainflower. I would like to. <laughs> <laughs> Los Angeles Superior Court. I would like to have a conversation with you about it. It is Los Angeles after all. So who who's to say? Um, but I, I think the last big thing for this week is uh, the sadness that I see from everyone in the country who does not live in California right now. Just or Florida. The utter 
or Florida. Yeah. I mean, California, Florida. But then if you live in Florida, there's other things you have to worry about. So, you yeah. know, like Florida, man. Like- yeah, like being in Florida. <laughs> I know, this is a threat to your health. But uh, a cold snap has taken over because winter. Um, and by the way, I know we say this like every year, but I am going to start unfriending people who are reposting that it's so cold outside. How can global warming be real? Thing. Yeah. I don't want to get into it. You guys are all fucking idiots. I, every I, I, this is basically I'm going to turn the show into the like who's an idiot this week and why. Join well, yeah. us for the early end of the podcast. You know, it, it's funny the the global warming thing. I I just feel like if somebody would have uh would have sat down and and workshopped the line a little bit and yeah. said like, hey, instead of global warming, why don't we say like uh climate uncertainty or something like that? Something that How about climate throw, change? Yeah, which throw, is what they tried to do. <laughs> Can throw, can throw. I mean, like the the problem is once you said warming, like once that became the term that was used, like anything that wasn't hotter than normal and not it, yeah. and even significantly hot, because like people would make the argument of like, oh, so what if the summer's five degrees hotter than you know, like oh God, it's ninety six degrees instead of ninety one. What do I care? You know, like yeah, it's a hot yeah. day regardless. <laughs> it's like you don't so, get it. You don't get it. <laughs> this. Like many things, like everything that happened after two thousand. I think we can blame on Al Gore because when he started doing his little uh, uh giving you truth, yeah. he giving you truth thing. He called it global warming after five or six years of scientists being like, we're using the term climate change. It's climate change. Cause it's not always warmer. Sometimes it's colder. Sometimes yeah. the hurricanes get stronger. We're changing the climate. And then Al Gore got up on his fucking PowerPoint and called it global warming for two hours. And now anything that's not fucking warm isn't global warming so and um and by the fact that a lot of people are using different terms i think it makes it harder to move forward in the conversation about just one of the the issue at yes. large uh it's like the same same thing that was happening with uh uh there just in our lifetimes there's been a lot of change in uh pronouns and uh sexual <sighs> orientation and how those things are described and I'm not, you know, like this, this is all progress moving forward, but I'm saying like it's very confusing for a lot of people for a long time when it was just gay and lesbian and there was nothing else, at least in the yes. minds of dumb people who, who couldn't fathom otherwise. And to like, you know, like the people who, who grew up in the 90s with gay and lesbian and that was it are now hit with, you know, the bisexual and the transgender and the gender non-binary and the... And while it's great that we have terms for these things that people feel, it's also very confusing to it makes it harder for the movement to grab foot because people hear a new term. People hear non-binary and go like, oh, God, so now it's another thing. Like, What the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I want to talk about the pronouns just for a second because I want to prove a point that I argued earlier today. Corey. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I tell you. A cop came and visited me to visit visited me today. Yeah. What is your first question? Uh, what about? Uh, so let's use different phrasing for that. What is another way you might ask me what what about? Uh, what did they want to know? Or okay. what were they inquiring per- about? No, perfect, perfect, perfect. So what I told you is a cop in the singular came to visit me today. Yeah. And a logical response from you would be, what did they want? That is someone who's using the term they in the singular when gender is not clear. Now, if we were Spanish, the me saying policia or 
Oh no, police is a bad one because it's yeah. uh, feminine. But a lot of uh, Spanish words, you would know from what word I used, whether it was a female or a male. And then you would say, what did she want? What did he want? Yeah. Because in English, I say cop and you have no idea. Was it a male cop? Was it a female cop? What did they want? Right. That is the usage of they in the singular. If gender is not clear, you use they naturally. You naturally do it. And then if I said some cops came and visited me today, your question to me might be. What do they want? What did they want? Yeah. Because once again, without gender, we use it in the plural. But they is capable of plural or singular based on only the factor of what gender are they? I don't know. I'm going to ask they. Yeah. Similarly, them, them. Um, I went with I went with some friends to wherever. Um, what'd you do with them? Yeah. Because I said friends and I didn't indicate what gender it was. You didn't say. What would you do with the guys? What'd you do with the girls? Your well, dudes. What? It could have been fifteen guys and one girl. I mean, a really weird party, but it could have been fifteen guys and one girl. Listen, and I don't like it when you judge my life like this, Corey. It would have right? been. What I do. <laughs> it would be they in the same same regard because it's not just a bunch of guys, right? Because when gender is not clear, we use they and them, which is why people who are non-binary say. Please don't use he, him, use they, them. And you're like, oh, that's so fucking weird. No, it's not. It's weird because you're making it weird. It's weird because Jesus told you it was weird. And it's weird because, yeah, you don't want to do anything different. But you will naturally do it if you don't know what the gender is. Now, you're looking at a person and you're like, oh, I see short hair. I see wide shoulders and wide hips. This must be a man. I will use the he pronoun. Yeah. I understand it's difficult for you to say, Okay, now for this person whom I know, I need to start using different pronouns. You know, the, uh, it's not that hard. The only thing I really hate about it is that, uh, you know, like if you met somebody on Twitter or something like that and they put that in their bio, you would know. But I always hate the fact that if you walked up to somebody who is gender non-binary, they don't necessarily go with the, the they, them. They might go with like he, him, she, Absolutely. her. Uh, but, you know, you don't know when the first time you walk up. And, you know, if you said something like, uh, like, you know, hey, how are you doing today, sir? Like they would say, like, you know, oh, no, I go, you know, they them or something like that. You make the mistake and then they have to correct you. I hate the fact that you that can't they have to correct that, that you yes. have to correct that, that I feel like I did something wrong right off the bat. I know now, that's I, that's a that's a natural step uh, towards eventually is. getting to the better place. But like, I still hate the getting it wrong the first time because. I wish I could read them and know, like, I, you know, and like, I feel the same way, but I listen, having been in this same situation with someone who I work with, I will tell you they have, that they have amazing patience. Now, Oh, well, I said, they, Oh, who was I talking about? A yeah. group? No, bitch. Fucking talking about one person. Yeah. But what they told me is we had a conversation and then at the end they were like, Hey, just so you know, uh, I would prefer they, them over. Yeah. He, 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 he him. And I'm like, Oh, no problem. I will do my, you know, I'm going to try and do that. And nine times out of 10, I would come off the bat with they, them. And sometimes I wouldn't be thinking about it. And I would see the person and I would pick a gender pro pronoun in my head and I would say it. And then at the end of the conversation, I would turn away, turn away and turn back and be like, fuck, I am so sorry. I did yeah. not do that on purpose. Um, I'm trying to get better. And every time they were just like, no, listen, you're trying. That's all I really ask is the respect that you try. 
And that's really what it comes down to is the respect that you try. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I you know, like just to put a button on this, uh, you know, if if somebody came up to you and said, hey, I don't want to be Corey anymore. I want to be Steve. I feel like a Steve. Like, you know, like you, you would have to be a real jerk to say, no, fuck you. I'm going to call you Corey forever. <laughs> like, you know, like and hey, if you I'm called, on the lamb. Don't use my real name and messages anymore. If you called From me now on, I'm Steve. <laughs> if you called me Corey every once in a while by mistake, like in the first little while, like I wouldn't get upset, but I'd, you know, like I, I, I it just uh, think think about it in those terms as opposed to like because gender, for whatever reason, gets people so gender and sexuality gets people so bent up about like how they have to have have to uh, yeah put it in a box like it has to fit squarely in a nice little box that they've put aside saying this is what a gay person is when it's not and like I, not I'll every you, gay way, person fits in the same box like <laughs> i had this conversation by the way not every straight person fits in the same box either no it certainly not so uh but i had this conversation with somebody and i was like i'm totally willing to have this conversation with you but then you tried to end the conversation by saying well the bible says and that ends the conversation but not for the reason that you want like if you have a thing like i just don't use the word I don't say they. They is a, a word I don't like. It's like um, moist, yeah. which I'm sure just bothered a lot of people. It's just like, <laughs> I don't like that word. I would maybe say, okay, all right. <laughs> I don't like that, but I'm going to have to accept it because you don't like that word. But when you say, well, the Bible says it and God settled it and that's the end of it, then I'm going to say, all right, we're not going to talk about this anymore, but not because you're right, but because you're dumb and I can't argue with dumb. I do that all day, every day. And I refuse to anymore. So maybe we should uh, make much maybe, like if you don't think global warming is real, you're also dumb. Maybe so. we should make a video series that uh, instead of just they them, we introduce other like non gender conformist terms to people oh. as like a as like a bridge to like y'all or folks. Y'all. <laughs> like, by the way, dudes, which I will make a strong or a combination of dude. those two, y'all folks. <laughs> uh, I'll make I'll make a strong army that dude does not mean men anymore because I have way more way more women around me who use the term dude to refer to other women and I will refer to women as dude because yeah. if we're friends dude means friend now it doesn't mean guy anymore yeah um, and listen I'm trying that but I always get shot down by these same people when I say yeah. listen comrade is gender non-specific. <laughs> I will call all of you comrade if you just will go with me on this whole communism thing. Uh, by the way, I converted somebody on Call of Duty. Um, I, I got them over the course of a week to go and buy, um, uh, capital and then yep. recommended some Trotsky books. And they came on yesterday and we're like, God damn it. You got me reading this Trotsky. And I'm like, this guy's got a lot of good stuff. He, you know what he's talking about? And I'm like, ah, gotcha comrade <laughs> um but uh, yeah if you think global warming isn't real you're also dumb we should, maybe should maybe do a video series about hey how do you know if you're dumb here's the dumb <laughs> test episode seven global warming do you think it's fake you're dumb thanks for joining us for our <laughs> am i dumb does this have like a a selector to like you hit the button on this this would have been great for the uh uh, cards version of YouTube, you know? Yes, yes. So hit the selector switch. What do you think? <laughs> nope, you're dumb. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Am I Dumb? Um, and I was going to say, speaking of dumb, but it, it, listen, if you choose to use sports to uh, get you out of the mindset of how the world is, absolutely. I use politics. It's uh, self-defeating, and it just makes me realize there are more dumb people. So maybe sports would be better. I don't know, Yankee fans. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> you'd make a solid argument, Corey. But uh, either way, we're going to talk some sports ball. And just real quick, because I realize we're doing really well on time today. So how yeah. about that? And I, I don't intend on making this a big, long thing. I just had a couple quick things I wanted to point out. Number one, first of all. The slow clap. This is a nice little slow clap for Mike Elias, because, you know, I was totally joking last week when I said the Orioles should sign Tin Lincecum because they signed Felix Hernandez. And we should really go for this 2010, 2010 World Series that we're 10 years too late for. But yes, yeah. uh, I, I didn't imagine that he would listen and say, oh, yeah, and then sign Matt Harvey because that that was a that was a, a dick on the table move from Mike Elias right there. I'm, I'm telling you, like, I, I was I was very I, I, I heard that and I was like, oh, he's not fucking around. We're not yeah, only you going said for, we're not just we're not going for that 2010. We're going for that 2015. We're getting five years closer, baby. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'll remind you, Corey, that we've been doing the podcast a long time. And in 2014, we actually were in the chase <laughs> for the World Series. Yeah, I know. <laughs> briefly. Uh, so it would have been great if we had had Mike uh, Harvey. Uh, and Felix Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah, it would have been fantastic. <laughs> I think we might have won with that. <laughs> no, Kansas that City was, was when, pretty much steamrolling everybody. That was when but... Harvey was his, was the full dark night at that point. He was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, just a quick thing. If uh, people who don't know who Matt Harvey was, he was uh, he came up with the Mets as a rookie and was immediately good, which is not a, a thing that happens usually in baseball. Uh, he was really good for his first two seasons, and then everything has, since then has sort of been a steady decline. So we might not inevitably have... he's going to end up on the Orioles. That's exactly how this <laughs> That's works. How right. that goes. Yeah. Um, so you know, again, he's probably not uh, going to make the team or be a important member of the organization but uh i thought it was worth it to mention that uh mike elias is taking seriously the winning past world series idea that i had brought up uh totally as a joke but who knows maybe t maybe big time timmy jims is next maybe he's i was gonna he, say who's who's next who do we have <laughs> who can get us to the 2017 what, world what series? other what other old superstar can we get at this point like uh, uh, well how about this um if we cut um <laughs> Our first baseman, maybe that'll make us competitive for the 2016 World Series because like, you know, you know, you know what will really? Uh, I'll drive home to Baltimore and shake Mike Elias's hand. You ready for this one? You're uh, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Mike Elias how we can do this right. Fucking Barry Bonds, sign Barry Bonds. <laughs> listen, he's available. He's available. And wait, listen. If he's been keeping up with the shots, he might still be competitive. I don't know. His Shit. head will be tiny. But <laughs> Shit, he doesn't even need to. He's got a couple weeks to to get back into the string. Like, uh, I'm just saying. Like, oh, that's yeah. right. Pitchers and catchers report soon. But the rest of the team has got a few weeks. He can yeah, get back he, in baseball shape. Listen, you don't even need to show up until the first week of the season. Just, like, <laughs> spend, spend spring training getting ready and then we'll yeah, see. Mike, yeah i'll start my regimen immediately thanks <laughs> i will get on the treadmill as soon as we're done with this call <laughs> mm -hmm. uh but and the by the way news... don't shoot steroids into your arm i just did that because i couldn't get my butt up into the camera yeah. <laughs> it's really bad don't go into your arm but if you don't know who matt harvey is uh there is a great uh jimmy kimmel sketch i think it was or no uh jimmy fallon i think when jimmy fallon first took over the tonight show uh, they had uh, Matt Harvey going to Central Park 
and interviewing people about whether or not they were Mets fans. And then when they said they were Mets fans, he would say something like, hey, that Matt Harvey guy, he lo- he's been looking really good, right? And then he'd like, you know, he'd just be interviewing the person and he's Matt Harvey and he'd just be saying like, yeah, that Matt Harvey is having a good rookie season, huh? It's like, oh my God, he's amazing. I wish I could meet him and he'd be so cool. It'd be so cool to be friends with Matt Harvey and he's just like, yeah, 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 good point. Like, What what show are we talking about? I think it was Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon. I keep saying Kimmel. Do you mean, do you mean, you mean John Oliver? That's the only late night guy I really know. The (laughs) other guys aren't really. He's the only one who wins Emmys. That's the only. Yeah, apparently so. so. But I'll find that. I'll tweet that out. Uh, the, the other good news Orioles way is that, uh, the farm system on baseball America has been rated number seven, which is the highest it's ever been rated, which is good on news baseball America. on baseball America. The, the, you've got to find your favorite baseball publication and just learn to trust them because, uh, the Orioles are seven or 14 or 16 or 18 in farm system ratings, depending on who you choose. So, uh, I the the guy who used to do movie reviews for the Baltimore Sun. I always disagreed with him. I hated I, I, like I, everything he said. I, I disagreed with a hundred percent. So I would know if I read his reviews whether or not I would like the movie, just because I will feel the exact opposite of whatever he felt. Like yeah. I, I it, and sometimes it's good to just know where you stand compared to the people who are who are bringing this information to you. You know, like. You don't have to agree with the reporter. If you know you always disagree with them, that's almost even easier. You know, like so. Then uh, what you're saying is, I need to go back and I need to see when Ubaldo was in the farm system. How did they rate our <laughs> pitching they, staff? But he was and good. I just don't trust that. He, he was good back then. That's the problem. He was. He came. Ah, he, he had a Matt Harvey thing. He came up. He was really good. He won Rookie of the Year, and then. Uh, but yeah, well, he's an Oriole. That's what happens. Oh, and just for the record, because we do this uh, spring training time every year, just a, a mm-hmm. quick pop in. Uh, the Orioles' odds right now are eighty to one. So one dollar bet in Vegas will earn you eighty dollars in return. Uh, what are you thinking, Rob? You think? Are you? Are you feeling? I mean, like, listen, you you've spent twenty bucks on worse. Like, don't I, don't much. I've spent more money on wasted more money on other things. Yes. Yeah. I mean, twenty uh, bucks, think, two thousand in return. I think what will happen is I'm going to wait. Because after they play those first few spring training games and just look terrible, that's going to mm-hmm. fall. Because we're we're half we're doubling what it was last year. During spring training, it was one forty to one on the Orioles last year. Yeah, and I think I can get that kind of return if I just wait till they see them actually play. Then it'll just drop off, and I'll be able to get. So you're gonna, you're going to wait for the number to drop before you invest. Yeah, uh, I'm like okay. a uh, I'm I'm a Super Bowl better. I'm waiting to see. You're what shorting the, uh, the, the final Orioles. Line is. Yes, yeah, I'm shorting <laughs> the Orioles. That's exactly right. All right, well that's good. Uh, and then one last thing, uh, Matt or JJ Watt of the Texans got released uh, this weekend. He's looking for a new team. Uh, Carson Wentz is going to be traded soon. Apparently, uh, the Eagles have also discussed Zach Ertz being traded. And on top of that, there are a handful of quarterbacks who are either free agents or are willing to be traded, or are going to be traded, and or have already been traded. Are already been traded, including talking about Stafford and Goff. And, yep. you know, there's been some people who are projecting that there might be 18 different quarterbacks on NFL teams for this upcoming season, which would be a huge amount of movement that the NFL has never really seen before. So uh, not really anything speculative coming up. Like, I don't, I don't know where J.J. Watt's going to sign. I would love it if he signed with the Ravens because that defensive line would be incredible with J.J. Watt on it. Uh, but uh, I, I think that it's going to be very fascinating to be – uh, an NFL offseason fan 
uh, this year. So if you were interested in that sort of thing, uh, definitely pay attention because it's about to get wild. Then I'm just thinking that anybody who follows the NBA but not the NFL is just looking at that like, yeah, 18 players are going to 18 star <laughs> players are switching teams. What's the what's the big deal about? Well, that? yeah, that I mean, it's every year. It, this this is the first year that the NFL is going to actually kind of resemble the NBA offseason. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the NBA players never get traded in the NFL, like hardly ever. Uh, and if they do, it's my fourth string wide receiver for your fourth string cornerback because I have an extra wide receiver and you have an extra cornerback. And these people are basically the same value and skill at- ability. So we're going to trade these two things. And then there's I draft picks that get them. traded. Yeah, I was going to say picks themselves or I cut somebody and just basically like, I- I'm going to cut you. I would rather do that than trade you because they have nothing of value to me. So yeah. I'll cut you and be done with it. Right. But I mean, like with the with the pandemic and how the salary cap is expected to be cut in the NFL this coming season because of uh, lack of they base it off of the income that the league made in the year to determine the the salary cap. Uh, it's imagined that it's going to go down by quite a lot of money and a lot of teams are scrambling trying to figure out what to do. But yep. uh, as far as the the business of watching the business take place, it's going to be very fascinating. So we'll keep an eye out on it. And uh, you should as well. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I think that's it for sports ball there. Oh, wait, shit. I had the wrong thing <laughs> queued. Here we go. Okay. See, I was ready because that was such a good transition to the end of the show. I thought you were just going to go straight to the end of the show. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I could have, but then you would have missed out on this transition. Anthem.com, Anthem.com, or the Anthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line, 443-219-7595. What's that number again? 443-219-7595. And by the way, if you guys want to uh, direct your 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 hater uh, hatred for Rob to the listener <laughs> line, uh, I don't get it. Like, I don't get the hate. Like, I, I, I just hear about Rob's hate, uh, you know, like, when he tells me about it. But I, I never get to... People don't, you know, hit my hit up my Twitter and go like, I hope you die scum or something like that. So like maybe just put it on the listener line. It'll make me <laughs> me feel like I'm included in some sort of way. Some of us have to be uh, mango pineapple sorbet and some of us are vanilla ice cream. All right. Some of us got flavor. People love us and hate us. And other people other just like, eh, hey, it's fine. Listen, it's fine. I'm a I'm a bestseller, baby. <laughs> uh, speaking of that. CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendsB5 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, I've finally done the script, so I get to worry less about uh, how I'm going to fill my days with writing and uh, get to think about new things that I'm going to be doing, uh, which will be coming out soon. But uh, script's done, so there's the good news. There's the good news in my little corner here. Mm, yes. <laughs> oh, and of course, you can find me at Robert and Chico on all your social networks. Uh, I got something special coming out on Instagram. And for all you who hate listening, you're not going to want to miss this. Oh, one. no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, as I said earlier, I finished the uh, rewrite of the first book. So, once we get them, some edits done, that'll be back up so you can avoid paying the $45, which, by the way, Gory, just so you know, $45, the going rate for the first book. God, I'm in glad I bought it when it, was, when it was in its first release. Uh, and so we have also planned, of course, that there will be available on Amazon, so you can be able to get the digital book versus the hard co- or the, uh, the the actual physical copy, which will also be available. And we're looking at doing an audio book. 
uh, and we'll see how that works out. But uh, turning from that to the second one, and I'm going to work my way through every book that I didn't self-publish my, well, you know, myself through the publisher, so that we can make sure that to stop that high cost of the resale, basically, because you have to get used copies rather than new copies. Yeah. Um, working on the website, working on a bunch of new content. You guys will see that coming up. So stay tuned. I'm looking forward to the audio back audio book one too because uh, I've definitely. I love having a book in my hands, but I've I've definitely converted to more audiobooks than uh, tangible books. Turns out a lot of people have. Basically, the question I get now uh, most is people saying forty five dollars for a used copy. Like, uh, okay, uh, do you have an audiobook? Like, as if I'll even pay if it's not on Audible. I'll pay for the audio <laughs> version of this. Um, also, my soothing dulcet tones uh, as the reader of the book, I'm sure, is what they're missing. And uh, I'm like, ah, no. Uh, publisher didn't do that, so I yeah. didn't do it. But uh, we're gonna do it this time. So nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've done good here today. <laughs> do, you? <laughs> do you really? Well, I'm contractually <laughs> obligated to say that. That's we're so far in. I, th- <laughs> I think we've done something. I don't know if it's good, but as always, you're listening to the Ear the Anthem podcast, part of the Ear the Anthem Digital Network. For Corey, this is Rob. Hate listeners, you can tune out now. Have a great week, everybody else. Catch me outside. How about that?